Hello, listener. Thank you for clicking on the newest episode of the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast, your weekly dip into the beautiful game, the world's game, being played right here in the Great Lakes State. My name is Robert Kerr here with you once again after another mega soccer weekend. Uh, Lots of moments of note across the state. Uh, We're going to hit three levels of the game here today or this week with uh, the help of some friends this uh, episode. Uh, Definitely kind of a scrapbook of the weekend's events. Uh, We are going to start off talking to my friend who was on the scene for Detroit City FC's uh, draw on the road in Pittsburgh. Uh, then we're going to catch some post-game audio with Mitch Gatsky and uh, Oakland County FC's top man, Vinny Vasilevsky, after Oakland County FC were able to secure their first win of the USL2 season. And then we're going to end off with some youth soccer. One of the big events of the weekend was the Youth State Cup. And myself and fellow Michigan Soccer Central core member Josh Hakala. Uh, between the two of us, we did commentary on 16 different uh, divisions of state cup finals. And so we're going to wrap the show up with that. So uh, really exciting episode. Lots of good stuff coming at you. But a couple notes that uh, another big event Happened in Flint, the Steinbrecher Cup was secured once again by the Flint City Bucks. There was, uh, they won in the final of that uh, elite, like the, it was basically the Cup Winners Cup of uh, amateur soccer in this country is the Steinbrecher Cup. And uh, <laughs> once again, the Flint City Bucks were successful. They knocked off the NPSL champions, Denton Diablos there over the weekend. And then in another uh, Michigan soccer note, um, we're going to probably try to get into this deeper in a uh, future episode, but uh, the MUSL and uh, local soccer lost a real um, pillar as uh, the president of the MUSL, the adult league, uh, Harold Kirkwood uh, passed away last Thursday. He would have been 80 in August, and he's had a whole uh, lot of impact and helped start many different programs in uh, Metro Detroit. And uh, yeah, just um, just wanted to mention that. And we'll, like I said, we'll dig into that more as he had uh, many, many chapters uh, in in the local soccer story. So. We'll get to that in a future episode, but this week we're going to start off with perspective on the road in this week's La Rouge Report is my friend Phil Gasparato. Then we'll hear from Mitch Gatsky and Finn Vasilevsky, and then round it off with myself and Josh Hackle, debriefing at the end of a great weekend of the MSYSL State Cup Finals here on the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. All right, welcome back, Michigan Soccer Central. Uh, Detroit City FC uh, got themselves a draw on the road. 
And to get some perspective from Pittsburgh, I've got my friend through football, Phil. You were on the scene. Uh, What brought you to go all the way out to Pittsburgh anyway? Well, it was just a quick weekend trip with uh, two good friends, uh, both uh, DCFC supporters. Um, And yeah, we... uh, it's the closest really nice city to, to visit um, on city schedule, on DCFC schedule. So, yeah, we took the took the trip, left Friday afternoon, um, got there, hung out, spent the day uh, on Saturday in Pittsburgh, um, then went to the match. So I, I meant to ask you before uh, that first question, is this your first ever podcast? Yes, it is. <laughs> Welcome, Phil. <laughs> Friends through football, helping out with the podcast, getting us a, a, a perspective on the scene. So, uh, guys, trip you went all the way out to Pittsburgh. Uh, Detroit gutted it out. Uh, tell me about your experience out there. Well, weather was beautiful. The city's great, um, and the match. Um, you know, their stadium is pretty cool, right? On, of course, on a river, just like uh, almost everything in Pittsburgh. Um, and there was over 4,000 fans. Um, There's a good turnout by uh, the city uh, faithful. And the match was really exciting. Uh, I don't know if you want to dive right into the match, but um, we went to the Andy Warhol Museum uh, during the day in Pittsburgh, walked around the whole city. Um, and yeah, ate some good food. It was a it was a really nice weekend. See, I didn't even know there was a Warhol Museum in Pittsburgh. Yeah, he's from Pittsburgh. No way, no way. I uh, I guess that's a blind spot in my uh, <laughs> art <laughs> knowledge. But uh, the game itself. So, have you? Here's a question: Have you been on a road trip uh, of that distance before? To see a match? Yeah. No. No. So you were on the road. How long was that? Like, what, four or five hours? It was like four and a half hours, I think. We took our time. Uh, we were in no hurry. But, um, yeah, I mean, looking at city schedule, I, I guess Indy, Indianapolis would be the next closest. Um, but uh, otherwise, you know, I guess Memphis, I don't know how far away that is, but um, Louisville maybe. But yeah. never been to Pittsburgh, and uh, the city the city is really, really nice. Sure sounds like it. So it was a busy weekend for soccer all across the state. You went out of state to see the uh, top professional team from the area play. So the game itself, um, the first thing that uh, when I kind of uh, was debriefing myself and trying to catch up on everything from the weekend, uh, I saw that uh, the bench was very short. Uh, did did that? Did you notice that at all from uh, when you were in the, in in the game? Oh yeah, um, I I I know Hope and O was out, um, and I don't believe uh, Reese Williams was playing either. So they're a little bit short um, in the creative department, but uh, their their midfield really uh, worked extremely hard throughout the match. I mean Pittsburgh in my opinion, dominated the match, um, had probably the best chances, but it was, it was a gutty, gutty, uh, performance by city. Yeah, sure. Seemed like it. They went down in the first half 
and then uh, managed to to pull out uh, an equalizer via uh, the main man, Maxi Rodriguez. It's interesting that uh, City had that like uh, ridiculous run of matches, and this was kind of the first. Like, this is coming back from the first real break they've had. Uh, did they look like they had a little bit more life in their legs? You said they were. Th- I mean, they were short on creativity due to personnel, but the players on the field did they they look to have a little bit more spring back. Oh yeah, and I I thought the the three three in the back um, played fantastic. Um, Pittsburgh's goal was was really good. I I think uh, City's goal was was better, um, but the. The biggest performance I thought, and maybe underrated, was from uh, number eight Jop. Like he he ran his socks off. It, I mean he he did all the dirty work. I mean he was he was winning the ball back, uh, making good passes. He covered a lot of ground. Um, so I was pretty impressed by his performance. Excellent, excellent. And then uh, catching the highlights. Looked like a pretty quality uh, sequence that led to the Rodriguez equalizer. Oh yeah, it was a it was a beautiful worked goal uh, by City from back to front, um, and the the timing that Rodriguez had when he entered the box was was uh, was great. Yeah, he his uh, remarkable uh, re- reprisal of his career here in Detroit uh still uh pointing up it would seem as uh he has been unreal like pretty much since he joined but a whole nother level this year so we talked a little bit about uh traveling out there and a little bit about the city of Pittsburgh and kind of what you saw on the field what was the game day experience like out there oh it well like I said weather was beautiful um stadium's really nice there was a uh, well over four thousand in attendance, uh, and you know the, the city supporters. There must have been at least sixty or so city supporters. So, so that was pretty cool. Um, and I have to say, the, the Pittsburgh Riverhound supporters were were more than gracious, uh, very friendly. Um, you know. Got a lot of uh, thanks for coming out. <laughs> so, so yeah, they, they were great. Um, the only negative I, I do have to say is, and I couldn't, I couldn't really put my finger on it, but their drum line and their, their chants were off rhythm the whole game. <laughs> that, that's the only negative that I took away from it. But uh, otherwise it was a, a great experience. Like I said, the stadium's really nice. Um, and yeah, it was it was it was a great uh, game day experience. And so, what's that area like around the stadium? I obviously that the rivers right there. Um, what's you know off camera side? Well, I mean, there's I I believe there was like a major freeway, and you know it's kind of it's at the bottom of Mount Washington, um, on the side of the river before the bridges that you get into downtown. So it's close to downtown, but not quite there. Um, so it's not like, a. I didn't think it was like a really bustling area where there's like lots of bars, restaurants, cultural centers. Um, but it's, Pittsburgh isn't like Detroit. It's not like spread out. Uh, it doesn't have like a vast geography. Um, it's pretty, uh, 
tight. Um, so you can get almost everywhere pretty quickly. And so how, what was the, the, the lead into the match? Were you able to, or pre or post, like, was there, you said there wasn't too many bars or anything, but was like the, the, the lead up and like the walk to the venue fun? Oh yeah. 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 That was nice. And, um, I don't know if you've been to Pittsburgh, but they had the, the two inclines. And so we took it down from, uh, the top of Mount Washington, um, got near the stadium, you know, lots of fans, uh, headed there. We didn't really see if they also do some sort of like, uh, supporter walk into the stadium. Uh, we didn't see that. And you, when you say there's a mountain, there's a literal mountain on one side of the stadium. Yeah. So like, uh, where we were sitting to our backs is Mount Washington. It's not like a huge mountain, but, um, it's definitely a mountain. Um, and, and you then, said the incline, is that like a trolley that goes up and down or something? Yeah, it's basically uh, a trolley, I would say. Is there something at the top or is it just like a lookout point? No, there's like our, uh, the the place we stayed at was on uh, on the top there. There's like a little bit of, uh, I mean, it's not a huge neighborhood, um, but there, there's a good sized neighborhood um, on top of Mount Washington. There used to be what we what we saw. There used to be like twenty inclines that existed in Pittsburgh, um, and now they're down to two. That's interesting. I mean, I uh, just saw my kids' homework, and uh, I saw uh, further evidence that there was like a Main Street through Royal Oak went all the way, you know, north. And there's all sorts of infrastructure that was once is no longer. Um, so that's consistent even over there. Um, but that sounds like really interesting uh, topography and a place worth uh, checking out for sure. But um, we're back in the game again. What did you rate? How did you rate the Pittsburgh Riverhounds play? You know, they had one player I was really, really impressed with. I, I don't know his name, but number 12 for Pittsburgh. Um, he was running the show. I, I mean, he, he fantastic player. Um, great se- central midfielder. Uh creative on the ball, um, winning tackles. He, he, I thought he was, he was their best player. You said number Um, 12. Yeah. Number 12. Um, but Daniel Griffin, by the look of it. Oh, is that his name? Yeah. I just looked it up on the old fat mob. Yeah. I thought he was fantastic. Um, like I said, they had a lot of chances. Uh, city's keeper, you know, came up big on multiple occasions. Uh, and they're a tough team. It, it's pretty pretty cool to see um, a little bit of parity at the top of uh, the division with City, Louisville, Memphis is coming on strong now, and Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, looking at the table right now, uh, Memphis has played less games than everyone and is at the top of the table. Um, they've played two less games than Louisville, who's one point behind them in second, and then uh, just – one more game played than Memphis is Detroit with uh, seven wins, four draws, two losses. And uh, with that result, uh, Detroit stays one point of Pittsburgh. So uh, Detroit and Pittsburgh third and fourth right now with just a point between them. So uh, Detroit's doing really well. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'd say so. Uh, the other shout out I would give is to uh... – um, I think his name is Steve Carroll. Um, their center city center back and captain. Yeah. I think that's his name. Yeah. Uh, 
he had a fantastic match too. Uh, I mean, just real timely tackles, um, really good on the ball. Um, he he uh, really played like a, a captain should. Yeah, he's fantastic, and he's one of those members of Detroit City FC that you know harks back to the or dates back to the NPSL days, and he really has been on the spot everywhere where they've needed him. And uh, he was actually one of the he he's one of the uh, guests on this show near the beginning of the season, and he's a uh, excellent excellent to speak with. Um, do you have any more? Uh, follow-up points about uh, being on the road and uh, seeing City draw with um, one of their closest competitors in the table? Well, I just, it, it went through my mind multiple times about how quickly uh, City has moved from, you know, playing at Cast Tech High School and now is on the road at uh, a really nice stadium in Pittsburgh uh, over 4,000 fans. It's just, it, I just think it's, it's wild how quickly, uh, city has grown. Um, I'm not like, uh, a major supporter. Uh, I'm a fan, but, um, it, it was pretty remarkable to, to think back, uh, to watching them at cast tech and now, uh, where, 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 where they're at today. So, yeah, you're a great voice. I mean, I know you, like I said, via soccer, we coached together and, um, you you have uh, stories throughout uh, like local soccer that I just don't know about, and then like the, the Cast Tech era is something uh, I I didn't I didn't move back until they were in Keyworth, and I'm looking for there was a picture that Detroit posted either like right after the game or in the morning on Sunday that. Uh, really struck a chord with what you said about it was incredible to see them go from a high school to playing this in this stadium in a, you know, what might be considered a world-class city. Uh, there was a picture, there was a uh, Steinwasher. I can't find it now. Uh, Steinwasher and two others kind of like sitting on the turf. Yeah. I found it now it's Rodriguez, uh, Bryant and Steinwasher kind of like sitting on the turf after the game and, there's the Pittsburgh skyline uh, right around it. And it, it really is that what you were kind of saying just in a picture of, you know, look where they are now. Yeah. Yeah. There's this, uh, there's this really funny meme with uh, Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd, I think his name is, <laughs> where he's just saying like, look at us, look at us. Yeah. Who would have thought? Not me. And I, I just kept on repeating that <laughs> to my friends while 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 we were at the match. So yeah, it was it was a it was a great great weekend, um, great match, um, and uh hope to do it again soon. All right, Phil. Thank you so much for helping me out and uh giving your perspective on the road to see Detroit tie uh one of the top of the table rivals in Pittsburgh. Thank you so much for joining uh, me on the pod. Oh yeah, I really enjoyed it. Robert Kerr here with Coach Vinny Vasilevsky after Oakland County FC's 2-2 draw with Kalamazoo. Uh, first point of the season. How do you feeling, Coach? Um, you know, I'm feeling pretty good. We were, we were a little bit gutted today, uh, not being able to get the win out. But I think with some of the adversity we've come through in the first uh, three games, the boys felt really good to get a point on the board, work hard. I think it was an overall solid performance. 
Uh, there's been no goals through the first three games in two and five minutes. Was that just like a huge sigh of relief? Absolutely. Uh, actually, I was talking with the coaches uh, at practice the last two days, and we're like, should we work on shooting? Should we work on finishing? And I do f feel that we are creating enough chances. And I said, guys, we just need to leave these guys alone. Let them get their confidence. Let's not, because when you do it in practice and you harp on it, sometimes it brings more attention. So I said, hey, guys, we just need one ball to cross the line. And the floodgates kind of opened after that. I mean, you saw three or four more chances. We kind of got that confidence going. So do you think that you can turn this first point into a win in just two days? We have another game. Absolutely. I think uh, the boys are out. There's a ton of belief in the locker room. I think we know we have the talent. It's just kind of getting the team to gel together. Some of the guys that were missing the first few games, we're all back now. Dimitri comes back as well. Mike's going to be coming back as well. So I think there's a lot to look forward to. Um, what do you think? Uh, do you think this is a step towards maybe a push up the table? Yeah, absolutely. I think the boys are ready to go. I have full confidence that we're going to make a run up. All right, thank you, Coach. No all problem. the best on Sunday. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate it. First win of the year. Talk to us. Uh, felt great. I thought we played very good soccer. A couple uh, mistakes in the set pieces that cost us a couple goals, but at the end of the day, we went in the locker room just said, hey guys, we, we're playing well. I think we had the better uh, part of the game and just said, hey, let's just keep playing our game. Let's just tighten it up in the back. Told the goalkeeper moving forward, told Andrew, hey, just come out and get all of them. Right now we're struggling a little bit marking in the box and just said, we'll play our game, the goals will come. You mentioned the set pieces. Hey, it didn't really look hey, at all like they were going to score from the run of play. What have you guys been working on since the Ann Arbor games to tighten things up at the back? Yeah, so basically, you know, we're very deep this year. We have a lot of good players, very good players, and we, we had that thought in our head that we could press a little bit higher up the field. The issue is when you're playing in 70, 80, 90 degree weather and the, they beat the press, it's very hard to expect your players to run back. So what we did is just lowered the block, make sure everyone gets behind the ball, and then decide when to press on our own. So basically, everyone has a responsibility. Hey, we lose the ball, we drop. And I think that's made it a lot easier for our team to defend, and it takes pressure off our back line. Ben Rosenblatt has played all across that back line. Talk to us a little bit about just the the experience that he brings and the ability to move him opening up opportunities for other guys. Yeah, Ben is an absolute stud, uh, great player, uh, asking a lot of them this year. He's kind of a unknown, people don't really talk about him, but I actually think he's one of the best defenders I've seen in Michigan. So, I mean, it's, it's all I really can say, the guy's amazing. Finally, Keith Larson. Again, huge difference maker here in the second half. What have you seen from him um, and just his ability to create for himself but also for his teammates? Yeah, Keith is very dangerous. Every time he gets the ball, he looks to penetrate to goal. I think that's something that uh, has been missing a little bit this year, and it's contagious. Once he started doing it, you start seeing other players do it. You see Melvin doing it. You saw Rizzo do it. You start seeing even DJ come up and do it, and I think that's important. I think it's something – I call it the dagger. You know, It's got to be a dagger when you get the ball. It's – it's pretty insane how smooth it looks, yet he's so quick. Another two-match weekend mm -hmm. coming up. We got Flint and Lansing. What do you know about them? What are you expecting? Um, I know that Flint's good every year. The Bucks are the Bucks. Um, I'm looking forward to playing them with a full squad or semi-full squad uh, this year. So they're going to be good. We just got to prepare all week. Lansing, I know they're searching for their win, but I've watched them play the Bucks and a few other teams, and they start hard. They work hard. They're practicing five days a week more than we practice right now. So uh, I don't take anyone lightly. I don't take any wins for granted. Thanks very much, Coach.
Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. Robert Kerr here alongside Josh Hakala. And the two of us, between the two of us, have just completed commentary on 16 State Cup Finals matches. Uh, we're sitting in the car after all this. Going to try to debrief here for a minute and talk about an exciting weekend of soccer that was here in Saginaw. So uh, there was two days of action. Each of us, both of us did four games each. So I think we'll go linearly and kind of point out the winners and some highlights of uh, the weekend. We'll start on Saturday. How you feeling, first of all, well, Josh? You know, I last time we did this, when we did this in the fall, when it was in Brighton, I was... We had three games each day. That seems manageable. And then I think before I signed up for this, I don't think I realized there was four each day. And so doing eight games over the course of two days, I was really worried about my voice in the second day. And uh, luckily you brought some tea, and I think it, it took care of business, and uh, we got through it. So. Yeah. That, it, it, we'll use the last of our vocal cords here on this segment. Absolutely. Yeah, so I, I started off, I I actually, what, what was amazing about this whole thing is that we really didn't, and I'm pretty sure you didn't either, we didn't have any, like, blowouts. I had one, but, like, for the most part, all the games were, like, pretty tight or pretty competitive, at, you know, even if they didn't end up on the scoreline being, like, super tight, like, if it was, like, a 3-1 game or something, but it was, most of my games, all of my games were competitive except for one uh, when Michigan Tigers uh, beat Michigan Stars in the U15 Elite Division, uh, Michigan Tigers have a really good team, and they uh, they had a guy, Ren Sylvester, had two goals and two assists and beat them 5 nothing. And, I mean, they, they've got a really good thing going there with the Michigan Tigers. I, I did not, you know, as someone who's not, I wouldn't say I would call myself an expert in the youth soccer game, but... I, I always thought that Michigan Tigers were were a good program, but I didn't have them on the levels of like Nationals and Jaguars and all them. And they they did really well this weekend, and this was a good example. Yeah, well, it just comes down to the quality of the team, not necessarily uh, the club affiliation, right? Absolutely. So what what did you have for your first one? Uh, I'm trying to rack my brain. This is eight games ago, but uh, it was uh, Michigan Rush Lansing 3 boys. So this was the uh, U19 elite game uh, Saturday morning and uh, Nationals Union from Rochester Hills taking on Michigan Rush Lansing and this was uh, a real tight one now it's coming back to me here and it was a Gershon Sylvain 90th minute penalty kick no shortage of drama and to comment on the games every single one of my games was pretty much all but one was on like kind of a razor's edge, and even that game was nil-nil, went 3-0 late. But this first game, 8.30 yesterday, uh, really tight, obviously, and uh, uh, Rush Lansing win with some late drama from the penalty spot. Well, you start off with a U19 game, and I and I feel like it's so weird and I, I it, to go from like a U19 or U18 game to like a U13. Now, granted, these U13s are amazing. For like twelve-year-olds, most of them, and it's a, but it, the difference between the two. We're so used to when you're broadcasting a game, and you're like the U19s are like just knocking the ball, looking like pretty good college teams in some cases, and then you go to U13s, and they're just like still doing like the 
you'll, you'll spend like five minutes of them like trying to get the ball away from the sidelines because they're just like throwing it down the sidelines and doing that whole thing. Um, but still, credit to these like U13s just to think that preteens are like doing the, some of the things that they're doing. Some of these clubs have some really good preteens on their uh, in their program. So what was your second Saturday game then? I, I jumped up to the uh, U18 Elite. Uh, I had the Michigan Jaguars against the Michigan Fire Juniors. And th- there's a lot of players. Th- these are interesting to me because I, since I, I don't follow the, the youth game as much, so I'm you know a little bit more into the college game, you start to get these players that are headed to college. So you're getting a preview of what's to come. And like Davenport, is going to have some really talented players joining their team. And one of them was Andrew Dykstra, who scored a goal for Michigan Fire Juniors. He was threatening throughout. Uh, but then Michigan Jaguars came out, uh, came back, tied the game with uh, Michael uh, Kimienti. He's their leading goal scorer. He's an all-state player at Northville High School. He scores two goals, and, uh, and Michigan Jaguars won it at the U18 level. Uh, my second game yesterday was kind of unreal, actually. It was the U14 Elites, Liverpool, uh, Michigan, North Oakland, B, <laughs> versus Jaguars, 08 Boys United. And uh, this Jaguars team came back. Um, actually, the Liverpool kept tying them over and over and over again. Eventually, they, they scored last. Um, a late goal from Nicholas Ziola. But the player I really wanted to point out was midfielder for the Liverpool side, this player called Cole Cooper, who was the captain of the side, just especially in the first half, was all over the field and was just slicing and dicing. And uh, they had two comebacks, but eventually uh, the Jaguars side uh, won out. Yeah, and then and I mentioned, like, the U13s and how big of a gap it was, uh, you know, between the U18s and the U19s. The the game that I had after after my, my next game was the U13 Elites, Michigan Tigers, and then Liverpool FC. It was like a mouthful. It was like Liverpool FC, I think it's 1A. I, think, I, don't, I, I don't know. They were Liverpool FC Central. But it was like Liverpool FC 1A Michigan Central 09 Boys Academy. It was a lot. (laughs) Yeah, I just just read mine. They were just Liverpool Central to me. That's how I described them. But uh, in talking to their coaches, you know, um, one of them, uh, one of the coaches, uh, Simone Omakanda, if uh, Michigan Bucks fans remember him from his uh, Bucks days, he's coaching uh, with Kevin Garner. And, uh, And I talked with Kevin Garner at length about his team, and he's got so many players on his team that are getting a getting attention from MLS academies he's got uh there, there was a player uh, Joseph Matier is uh like being looked at by Sporting Kansas City uh, Connell Vogelai is trained with uh, the Philadelphia Union Academy and his son Joey Gardner trained with the Columbus Crew Academy so it's like so many and these are 12 year olds you know so they're like <laughs> we're, we're that's and, and and to watch them play and I'll, I'll point out one more player, the one that uh, I guess the Columbus crew and FC Cincinnati are, are talking with. Uh, he says Gianmarco Denoto is the best center back in Michigan. That's that's how he, you know, obviously this is, his co- this is a coach and obviously, you know, that he's a little biased. But um, I heard him say that and I was like, okay, all right, let's see this kid. And yeah, he lived up to the hype. Uh, he converted two penalty kicks. Not that, you know, penalty kicks are, you know, the end all be all, but he uh, he was great. He was all over the field. He's athletic. He's fast. He's good in the air. 
So, uh, I mean, if FC Cincinnati and Columbus Crew are interested at him at, at age 12, then uh, I think they're, they, they, might be, uh, they might get a decent player if that ends up happening down the road. My uh, 1.30 game, my third game of the day yesterday was a really good one. And uh, it was the Michigan Stars who won the U-17 Elite over Kingdom SC from Kalamazoo. And uh, Stars scored first. Kingdom brought it back. And then it was 1-1, like seriously on a, a knife edge this game. You couldn't split the teams, but it was... Nick Nicola, who won it for the Stars, 2-1. Oh, and I didn't mention that uh, in this game, the uh, it was the Tigers that ended up winning that, that U13 game in penalty kicks. So maybe a little bit of a surprise, uh, considering the... I mean, obviously, Michigan Tigers had really good players, too. But, you know, it was... Uh, I think on paper, you look at some of the players that they had, and it might, might have been a little surprise to some people. But it was a really good game. Um, my next game, I had U16 Elite, um, MFA Revolution Black, and the Michigan Fire Juniors. Um, Henry Lopez was the uh, standout for, uh, I, I think, the player that jumped out at me for, uh, for the Revs. Um, he scored a couple goals, and he was just all over the field, in the midfield. But the, uh, the Fire Juniors came back, and uh, they were down... They were down one nothing. They came back. They were down two one. Came back, and then they won it in the seventy fifth minute. Uh, Nate Moss scored the game winning goal. Uh, it, it was a really good game, and the and the Fire Juniors, uh, who are going to be rebranded, by the way, uh, they're going to be I think Michigan Rangers coming up soon. So uh, getting your youth soccer information <laughs> for to keep track of all these teams and all these mergers and everything. Um, so. Now their their last uh, cup title as uh, as the Michigan Fire Juniors, and then uh, you're talking about uh, bouncing around age groups and whatnot. But in the final game of the day for me on Saturday, uh, we jump over to the U13 girls elite, and somehow I, I don't quite understand. He's explained to me that the girls are in the f- spring here because they're it's before high school. I don't quite know how that doesn't go under the the Junior State Cup, but uh, the State Cup for the U13 Elite uh, was high, high drama. It was 1-1 after regulation, went scoreless through the extra time periods and went to penalties. Uh, The penalties, are they they hit the first five in a row, and uh, this matchup was between Michigan, Rush, Northville, against uh, Nationals Tri-County, which is essentially the hometown team here. Uh, The Nationals Tri-County play in Saginaw, which we're in Saginaw, so their home base was just four miles away, I guess. And uh, it went to sudden death in the penalties, and it was Michigan Rush from Northville who won out. And what was heartbreaking about that game was I talked to uh, Cameron Baker, the Nats, tri-county coach um saying that uh they've played three times in various competitions already and the nationals tri-county hadn't yet to to win against this rush side and then they went all the way to penalties and uh still didn't get that win oh that's rough so (laughs) rush were good and uh they it was one of those almost uh like real madridy situations where they just hang around and all of a sudden turn on the magic and 
scrape that win. So that was my Saturday, and I got to say, it was uh, it was pretty quality. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, other than my blowout in the first game, I, I, I actually had a great first day because I got a one of everything. I had a blowout with lots of goals, and then I had PKs. I had a late game winner. I had a comeback. You know, like, really, it was kind of all over the place. So it was a, it was a good first day. And then when we uh, started out today for the uh, all, all the, the premier division, uh, I, I got treated to a pretty good game between Detroit City FC West and uh, the Warriors of Holland Rovers. So Holland Rovers, as I it was explained to me, Holland Rovers is the club, and then the Warriors are the team within the club. So that was a little confusing to say out loud. <laughs> but the U15 premier, and it was a... It was really good, and I'm and I was actually getting and I wish that I would had more time to to talk with some of the Detroit City people about it. I don't know how this all works, but if these Detroit City clubs like how it how they feed or if they even feed into the Detroit City professional development program, but if if they do, Detroit City has some really good prospects on this team. Like they, Bruno Delgado scored two goals. In this one, Michael Awazi is their leading scorer. He scored five goals over the last two games to get here, and he was really good. Um, if those are players, I mean, if they're 14 years old now, I mean, they are they have a bright future ahead of them, and if they're still wearing the Detroit City jersey in, you know, in three or four years, then uh, the club is going to be in good shape. And I think listeners should actually reference an old episode. I did ask DCFC's Tyler McManus that question. Um, my brain isn't really working right now to, to register what he said. I, there is a U19, um, like a, an elite squad that did that tournament that mm-hmm. went down to Florida bef- at the the very beginning of the DCFC USL season. So the, I think that's kind of a, you know, uh, a magnet for the top achievers from the youth programs going to that like USL, like U19 sort of a, a, hmm. a league. If I recall that conversation with Tyler McManus correctly. Well, they're, I mean, they, if they've, they've already, with all these mergers and everything that they've, uh, bringing people into the DCFC fold, then uh, I, I think it's really, it, it's going to bode well for them because there's a lot of talent, uh, especially around this state. So, um, oh, and, and and what was even great about about this this game in particular? Uh, so many times hitting the post. That would that those always just add to it. Like it was just I think they each team hit the post twice in the first half, so that added to the drama a little bit. But the, the frames of the goals not any bigger here in Saginaw. <laughs> just... But uh, there was a penalty kick. I, I I agree with you. I saw there was a lot clanking off the post here. Moving into Sunday, bright and early. We actually I want to reference that we had a. Good time at Merle's yeah. here, not too far away. Absolutely. Merle's, which was down the street from Bill's and down the street from Hex. Yes. <laughs> well, we should also point out that um, we are, I mean, I don't know if you've ever been around a youth soccer tournament, but there are, you know, so many teams and there's so many parents and so many people. And so on top of this, this whole big soccer tournament that's going on, there's apparently a big basketball tournament that's going on in Saginaw this weekend and there is a track and field event going on and so when we got to our hotel I, there were a lot of people in the lobby and I asked the you know when I was checking in and was like oh is this all the soccer tournament and they're like oh no we have we're sold out because we have basketball and track and I'm like good lord and so if you wanted to go to you know any chain places like Applebee's or Texas Roadhouse forget about it like so we just went searching for 
just anything. And uh, I, I think we're very pleased with Merle's. Yeah, Merle's did us proud. It was, it was good uh, stop last night for sure. But we were up bright and early for the Premier Division Finals. Um, 8.30 this morning was my only game that wasn't really high in suspense and drama. It was uh, Battle Creek Fire against... Uh, Michigan Power Football Academy, and it was a 3-0 win for MPFA. Michigan Power, I believe that was uh, that was their first final appearance, so that's their first state cup, and that was uh, a comprehensive performance, and uh, they were really exciting. Their front three of uh, George Saldanas Valdez, uh, Ali Bashir Butoto, and... Uh, Muhammad Tamur uh, were pretty incredible. They took over that game. They were tackling everyone from the front and super athletic and vertical going forward and got three goals on the day. Yeah, I had a I had a first time winner too. Those are always fun too. You know, they, yeah, these, they were they were wilding out. The, I I can't remember. You know, and uh, I'll try to find it in my notes. There was one of the games that I had where the team that that had won the cup had lost in the quarterfinals four years ago, lost in the semifinals three years ago. I mean, you can get the pattern here. They, they kept losing at every step. They lost in the final last year, and then this year they finally lifted the trophy. It was really great. So the, the one that I had my second game uh, today was the uh, U18 premiere. It was Portage SC Green beating West Michigan Storm. Uh, Portage scored early. Uh, Eli Moss is a really talented player. He's he's their their go-to guy. Uh, they he scored first. West Michigan uh, West Michigan Storm equalized. Uh, Jackson Rebone uh, with a with a really like a laser shot from outside. But then Portage scored two goals in the last ten minutes, and one of them the the game winner was Cody Gillespie and. I can't even tell you exactly how far away it was because it was so far away that I didn't even, as a broadcaster, think, oh, I should really pay attention to how far away he is. He might score because it was so close to midfield that I really didn't think it was going to happen. So they he tees it up, and it was one of those balls where I don't know if he was really going for goal, but it was just one of those ones that was just in between with the goalie and everyone jumped up and it just went through the mess of players and scored and so he scored from close to midfield and it was I'm sure it'll end up on YouTube somewhere and that was the goal the game winner and then Eli Moss added a uh, a, a one in stoppage time to to put it away so the so Portage wins their first uh, first trip to the state cup finals and they uh, and they get the win what time was that game was that the uh, was that your that was my 11. So. Okay, so it was a very fruitful day for Portage Soccer Club as my uh, 11 a.m. game was another Portage Soccer Club win. Uh, this was a good game. It was the U14 premiere. Uh, came out, the, the Portage came out on top over uh, Premier Express. And uh, this was a really rainy one. As I'm looking through my notes, they're all... Uh, splotched up from the rain oh yeah that that that's we should mention that too like the first day was gorgeous like nothing but sunshine the the temperature was like low 70s it was perfect the only thing that wasn't great for us because we have papers and notes was that it was a little breezy but for 
the rest of the humans, it was perfect for playing soccer, for watching soccer. Everything about it was great. We show up today, cloudy, nothing but clouds, rain, nothing but rain, <laughs> and, but no lightning, thankfully. So no delays. It was just a wet day and everyone had a good time. And to be fair, that's that was actually pretty awesome weather conditions to actually play in. Like a light drizzle makes it kind of a little bit slick and sloppy. But I think this uh, U14 premiere game was one of my favorites of the weekend. Uh, um, Portage was clearly overjoyed uh, at the final whistle. Um, their coach Paul Mullins looked to be a very uh, confident but calm leader. And he, when he was encouraging, it was in a calm voice. He never raised it. His sideline was very calm. And and when the, the final whistle blew, all of his players, like, emptied all their Gatorade bottles on top of his head and stuff. So a pseudo Gatorade bath for Coach Paul Mullins. And uh, he had some personal success, and he it was noted that he was a big Nottingham Forest fan. So he's on a, a good run yeah. as a soccer person. Good times, yeah. No, I, I, I saw a few, I think... That's what's interesting about if you ever go to any of these state cup things, um, you get a wide range of everything. Wide range of players, wide range of teams, clubs, parents. That's another thing you get a wide range of. You get a whole different... You could see that there's different cultures within the parent groups. There's different cultures within the coaches. So there are the screaming coaches, there are the calm coaches, there are the yell at the referee coaches. <laughs> like you really get, uh, you really when you get this many teams, you really see it all. And it, it, I saw a lot of that. And, and and one thing I did see, and I wish I could remember which coach it was. I it they did a very much a we've seen the college football coaches uh, do the dances in the locker room and. Uh, I saw a little bit of that, and I, I really hope somebody got some video of it because it looked pretty hilarious. So uh, a lot of people celebrating after winning the cup. Uh, probably my uh, one of the strongest uh, games out of all of them as far as like both teams being of really good quality was uh, the U-17 premier game between uh, MFA Revolution and uh, the Midland Fusion. That game was... Uh, so competitive you really couldn't split the teams i mean there were some teams that you know snuck a result this way or that way but you really couldn't split these teams and it was um what the uh the revolution mfa revolution a grand rapids based team uh led by uh joey baroni uh he's slid over from midwest in his first year with that club and there was a lot of really strong players on uh, both teams, but uh, Micah Daniels was really good. He was all over the field, moving up the field, defending. Uh, there was a midfielder called Kloon Van Andel who scored on a header and actually had the flare moment of the weekend with a Rabona pass to the wing, which was pretty cool. And and uh, he had a strong right foot. He was sending rockets toward the goal at every opportunity, um, and in the notes was that he scored four in the semifinal against the Fire. So he was trying. He didn't get on the score sheet with his feet, but he did head one in and was a threat. But the ultimate winner came from Osger Theodorson. And, uh, yeah, that was a really, really strong game. I was impressed by, yeah, the, the U-17 premiere. We uh, the game though the one thirty game I had today with the U thirteen premieres and again this was another one where they 
I think it was just two good young teams canceling each other out. So it was scoreless throughout the whole game. Uh, one of the players that was pointed out to me uh, before, uh, Coach Jeremy Leffering, uh, was uh, Caden Pigar. He is goalkeeper, and he's getting some attention from some like the MLS Next program, and 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 so there, there's some people who have their eyes on him, and uh, and he he looked good, uh, and then they they worked their way through the through the game. It was scoreless, and I'm thinking, well, if they're about to go to penalty kicks, and he gave me this whole story about how he's been teaching him how because he he's been teaching him how to do you know take penalty kicks as a as a goalie and some of the things you look for and it's like clicking for him and he saved three penalty kicks in the semifinals so clearly it's working and so I'm thinking in my head okay well they clearly the West Michigan Storm who he plays for have the advantage if this goes to penalty kicks and Nationals Troy Black said well they must have thought oh no we better score and they did and they they scored in the the fifteenth uh, minute of the twenty minutes of extra time, and uh, it was, it, and they they had a really good team too. But again, I think they just get canceled out uh, the, with two good teams. Evan Alangi was the uh, their leading goal scorer, scored with about five minutes left in, in overtime. So Nationals Troy lifted the trophy over West Michigan Storm. So unfortunately for West Michigan Storm fans, they had back to back losses on my field. Uh, it's tough. That's tough. Um, so I wrapped up my weekend with the U13 girls in the Premier Division and uh, talk about a close game. Uh, these two sides uh, couldn't be much different as far as size of club. Uh, Farmington Fusion, a very small club, and this U13 age group, the only age group with more than one team for that club is what I'm told. And they were up against Michigan Jaguars, Huron Valley, uh, Milford-based Jaguars team. And it was a 2-0 Jaguars win. And I could, I really felt for uh, Farmington Fusion as it was, yeah, but two teams nullifying each other. But there was back-to-back goals that kind of raised the eyebrows as an off-the-ball entanglement of legs was called a penalty kick. And in moments later, the Jaguars scored on a, a goal which uh, looked pretty clearly a, a foul on the Farmington goalie. So back-to-back goals. Uh, and that turned the the parent sideline from a pretty calm group to um, boisterous pretty yeah, quick. The, it, 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 so after the back-to-back decisions, um, totally undercut them. And uh, Jaguars raised the cup. Yeah, that's that's rough. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend to be a referee. I bailed on refereeing when I was like 14 years old. After, after I got screamed at for not calling a tight offside line in like an under eight game or something like that, I was like, you know what? It's only going to get worse from here. I don't think I can emotionally handle this. So, I, I respect referees and everything they deal with, and th- trying to call make a call when tank legs come together and it's just there's a collision and it looks like a foul but like really sometimes they just collide and 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 we I had a lot of situations like that in my in some of my games too where it's like I I don't know sometimes you just don't make a call and sometimes you just everyone just fell over <laughs> like I don't know what people I, fall over sometimes yeah, that's just what happens um and speaking of referee this is a good transition to my last game uh because I I got a chance to talk with the 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 head 
the center referee of this game, who for the first time, I've been covering soccer a long time, although I, I don't spend a lot of time talking to referees, but I've never heard of anyone taking the referee approach of kill him with kindness. And she clearly does that, and I love it. I think it's, it, it I could see it not working sometimes, but you, her approach is that you are just friendly with them, and it's, it like takes the temperature down. And, but when you have to put your foot down, when something goes wrong, which what is what happened in this game, when you come out and you like are very forceful in like not taking any mess, like then it seems like it like impacts more. <laughs> At least that's what I saw. I thought it was fascinating. For, so just to transition it for refereeing. So I, I do want to make a note that the calls that I was talking about were one of the only. There wasn't really any. The refereeing was fine. Besides that, yeah, I I didn't. I I mean, I don't ever. I rarely take note of refereeing. Like like. It, unless it's like, I mean, unless it's like a penalty kick in the 90th minute and it's bad or good or you know, whatever. But like, I mean, usually for the most part, I don't know. I, I don't spend a lot of time you know, dwelling on it. But my my last game uh, was U16 Premier, uh, Midland Fusion and Lakeshore Premier. Um, this is another another club that's going to be rebranded by Lakeshore. is going to be Lakeshore FC next year, I guess. Um, Midland winning that one two to nothing. Uh, it it, it had a couple of interesting goals. Um, a, a penalty kick call, which was a good call, in my opinion, um, while we're talking about refereeing. Uh, Jake Funka, who is their, uh, the Midlands, uh, one of their star players, their, their second leading scorer and their captain. He takes the PK, rips it, scores. And I didn't notice this because, you know, when a PK is scored, everyone starts celebrating. And usually for broadcasters, just to do some inside baseball here a little bit, like, you know, you use that time to make some notes or whatever. And, you know, they're celebrating. There's not much to commentate on because everyone's cheering and it's great. And you just let it play. Um, turns out he, he took the penalty kick and, I got, and got hurt kicking the ball. And this was their second leading score. And he had to leave nine minutes into the game. And did not return, end up returning. And uh, and so I was thinking, boy, they're in trouble. Like, you lose one of your best offensive players. But the defense was solid. They, they, they did a great job. And uh, then they got their second goal in the 68th minute. They play 80-minute games. Uh, Eli Soderberg, who is going to be a really good player, uh, wherever he wherever he ends up, he's a 15-year-old. He'll be in college in a couple of years. Um, he uh, scored off a goalkeeper, goalkeeper assist. Which is, you know, you don't see that very often. And uh, this goalkeeper, Keegan Lewick, just boomed this this kick. And it landed at the D, basically. <laughs> and the goalkeeper comes out. And then uh, Eli pounces on it and heads it past him. And beats him to it. And scores the goal. So, goalkeeper assists. So, goalkeepers, hooray. That was great. That was, a good, that was the last goal of the tournament for me. So, I was like, good way to, good way to end it. So congratulations to uh, to Midland Fusion for uh, getting getting the uh, oh they they and they're and I should mention they were a team that didn't even get out of the group last year in the state cup so they were they had kind of uh, a chip on their shoulder they wanted to get back and boy did they ever and so that probably we should wrap it up probably there we're in deep into the state cup review but overall um, I don't think I'm gonna talk for a couple days nope. But uh, it was pretty amazing to spend, you know, what, 
16 or so hours watching soccer. That was pretty great. Yeah, absolutely. These are always, I love doing these tournaments. They're, they're so much fun to see every level of, of some of the best youth soccer, you know, so, youth soccer players and teams. And, uh, it, it's a great, great to take the temperature of like how things are going. And, uh, it, there's a lot of, a uh, lot of players with some really bright futures and, and college programs that are going to inherit some of these. So, I, it, it was a lot of fun, and I'm so glad that my voice is still intact because I start a new radio job tomorrow. So I really didn't want to like walk into my first day and be like, hey, uh, I'm a know, horse. Like, you know that job that I uh, was supposed to do for you? Uh, I can't do it. <laughs> so it worked out. So with that, I think we'll uh, stop talking, but uh, it's been a pleasure, and uh, I'm sure there'll be more soccer coming soon. Yeah, hope so. All right, listener, thank you for listening throughout this whole episode. Exciting episode. Great to have a three-parter hit three different levels of the game from a a big soccer weekend here in the Great Lakes State. My name is Robert Kerr. Thank you for joining us and listening throughout this episode. Uh, Great guests as always, and thank you to all the great guests in the past. Um, I got one episode up on YouTube, and uh, it's kind of been crazy with... uh, the trip up to Saginaw and uh, many other projects all coming together. And uh, I got to say it was an excellent uh, to, to have two games for Oakland County FC and for them to get a, a four point window after being on the bottom of the USL two great lakes division. So it was great to see them jump up a couple spots and get their first points and then their first win. So I'm going to try to get uh, the YouTube stuff cooking we're gonna try to get that uh back up and running here once we kind of get that uh the, the the workflow battened down so thanks again for listening my name is robert kerr thanks to the michigan soccer central crew and until next time be sure to enjoy your soccer <laughs>